Hello and welcome to the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark. I am Paul. Hello. Hello. We've got another guest again. Hey Mark, it does not get bigger than this. Literally. Wow. With, this, wow. with this guest. <laughs> oh, that's what she said. Yeah. So, with, without any further ado. Any further ado. We have a player from last season. Um, the inaugural season of the Portsmouth Force. Yeah. And, you know, this guy was absolute, absolute integral um, to that. So bear with me and here we go. Yeah, now stand and cheer for your six foot eight center number 14, Alex Grant. You guys give a hell of an introduction. I'll there we give, go. I'll give you that much. Well, Alcom, Alex, welcome. Thank how you so how are you doing? You okay? Guys. I'm doing amazing. Thank you. Yourselves? Having a good summer? Yeah, very good. You know, me and Mark have summer. actually... I mean, we're stretching it with summer, aren't we? <laughs> oh, well, at the, you're having a good at this time of recording summer? Yeah, at yeah. this time of whatever <laughs> the weather's deciding it is. Very true, very true. Well, Mark, we, we have been very busy, though, in, in, in this... Extremely busy. Extremely busy. And today is the build-up of... Everything we've been working on, Alex, and you know, for our listeners out there, we have a piece of paper on the table for Alex, and this is a Portsmouth Force contract, and we've come up what we think is a good deal for you, Alex, to stay with the Portsmouth Force. Really? Yeah. So, look, I just just for the listeners, this is what we're going to offer you. So, this is we came up with this because we thought, you know, maybe you do a, a second masters, part time, two years. Professional student, I hear you. And then maybe you could do a phd part-time six years so we're talking about an eight-year um contract and we are willing to pay you really wow we are willing to pay you 2.9 million per year i mean there is a bit of small print the actual <laughs> currency is a vietnamese currency and it's going to be paid in dongs but you know it's tax-free wow um what was that currency again it's it's two point nine million dongs per year. So that's that's per year. So I mean that is a lot of money. It's um, a lot of dongs. And look, just you could, that's for the people listening. This, yeah, this is this the is contract real. I'm here. I'm looking at it now, everyone. This I is can real. Confirm. So I mean, is could this push you over the line, Alex? This contract. Well, I'm having a look at it now, fellas, and oh, and I gotta say it's. I, I'm so flattered by it, but it's kind of unnecessary because I have decided, in fact, that um, we are running it back and we are running it back for the 2023-24 season. And I will remain a member of the Portsmouth Force for the foreseeable. What? Mark, this is an exclusive. Hang on. Mark, this is an exclusive. This is exclusive. This Holy is breaking crap. news. Wow, Mark, that is breaking news. That is breaking news. That is breaking news. Breaking news. Holy smokes. 
everyone in the review section uh, rate our voice acting skills, why don't you? And yeah. also, and also, let me know how much um, rate my dancing. Yeah, rate rate Mark's dancing. Pulls to go with it, and also let us know, or let me know, uh, Justin, just so I know how much I messed up on. How many pounds is 2.9 uh, million Vietnamese dongs? We ask ourselves. Let us know in the review. Were you enticed by the dongs, Alex? Was that was that many dongs is enticing enough for you? Mark, I'm not dignifying that with a response, man. Come on. <sighs> well, but you know, this this is actually this is massive. And you know what? Hey Mark, this I just realized this is our first Portsmouth basketball car, car, uh, podcast exclusive. That is literally the first exclusive. Wow. So Alex, that's awesome, first of all. Well, thank you so much. That is much. amazing. No, it means a lot to be welcomed back. I was um uh, speaking to Coach Dan about it all and um, uh, the potential we have this year. Um, and, you know, Portsmouth's home as well. Um, myself, my younger sister, we were all born here. Um, my dad grew up um, in this town and we'd go to Portsmouth football club matches whenever we can. And um, this, um, this most recent season, I think we've gone from strength to strength. And I can't wait to see what the future holds for us as we try and make that push to Division 2. So for sure, I'm really excited for the opportunities ahead. Well, we're, well, we're excited. Yeah, well, that's uh, super, yeah. super exciting. And you know what? I, th I think a lot of people are going to be excited by that. Um, you know, Alex Grant is taking his talents to South Sea Beach for the 2023-2024 season. Yeah, that's awesome, man. For the sea and brackets. Oh, I appreciate you. I mean, that, that that pushes the the team height. That changes that dynamic of the team hugely. But yeah, I mean, well, I think Alex 100% was one of the fan favourites of yeah. the last season. I yeah. mean, that was, you know, completely evident. Um and that was the one question mark I had going into this season where it was like, okay, we look quite small. And when we were talking about it before about what the prospects were the season, we're like, look, I think we're going to do okay, but we're really going to miss Alex. Yeah. Um, so that is huge. No, it means a lot for sure. I'm hoping to be able to add an, an extra dynamic to what we offer. I know we're, we're, we're real guard heavy this year. So to be able to add that extra size, that rebounding, that defense, I'm looking forward to the challenge and um, the guys that we've brought in as well uh, for the upcoming season. I don't want to spoil too much for the, uh, the Portsmouth Force fan base, but um, be ready. We're going to go from strength to strength and we can't wait to get started. Yeah, you sure. can't give any more secrets away. I mean, this this is groundbreaking enough. It's, well, it's not for me to tell. So it's... Um, wow, what's coming? We have to get... Maybe, maybe we're going to get another exclusive from Dan next week. Oof. Oof. That's setting them up, isn't it? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I want to know what's coming I now. I want to know what's coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that is absolutely huge. That's massive. Um, that's huge. and Especially yeah. tactically as well, because um, as Paul said, you know, not only fan favourite, but the, the, your production level was so high last season. And coming in to this season, where if you didn't have not only your size, but your production level, that's a big hole to fill. That would have been a big hole to fill. Well, yeah, unless you've got someone else coming in who is every game almost getting a double somewhere, but most games Alex was getting a double-double, yeah. potentially getting a triple-double. I mean, I think he was getting his double easily in rebounds um, and then the points, um, I think, no, I, th I think they might have had one game where you had eight points, but other than that, he was a double-double every game. Yeah. Um, 
you know what? I don't know why this just popped in my head. My favourite moment of Alex in the last season, and it was when we were doing the actual stats. And in this, it was right before the end of half time, and Alex got within, I'd say, 25 seconds. He had two defensive rebounds, fast break, pass, dunk, crowd goes nuts. He then gets a steal and then goes up and gets another dunk. And it was like, you know, our, our stats was just like, Alex, two steal, uh, you know, steal, two rebounds, um, two dunks, end the half, crowd goes nuts. Uh, that's what you're getting with this player. Yeah, that's, that's huge, man. Oh, thank you so much. I remember that game. I think it was Bogner. But, um, oh, was it? Yeah, going down in transition. Great pass from Eric on that one. Shout out to Eric Du. Eric G. One, one, yeah. of your, one of your favorites on the mic, I know. I love saying his name. I when really you, when you're wanted. With the Eric Du. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to get the crowd afterwards to be going, do. That was that was my goal. But um, does, does, Would he like the crowd to do that? Or was that just something? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> oh, he'd buy into it 100%. I mean, look, we're talking crowd. How impactful just have you found the crowd in the home games? Well, I've said it in one of Paul's um, post games. Um, I think they, I think they work as a, a sixth man on the court for us. I think, um, especially as the season's gone on, like I think participation's got more um, impactful. I think uh, they've bought into each individual player a bit more. They've bought into the narrative of what we're trying to do, and because of that, I think as the season's gone on, you could see it in the more meaningful games towards the end of the year. Say Cardiff City, which I know was an integral playoff game or an integral game to get into playoffs sorry um and we unfortunately lost that one but they were with us all the way i remember zachary abbey finished the um first quarter with a buzzer beat a three and i think that tied up the game for us yeah like 20 apiece yeah and the place the, the energy i felt in that moment was yeah second to none like um especially definitely at the d3 level like um to have to have the atmosphere the game day experience that we boast at this point in time uh, at the level we're currently working at it just speaks levels to the potential of this club 100 percent. and i think that relationship that you talk about between um the the fans and stuff like that is is um yeah it was a two-way thing because you know at the start people didn't know what the you know the players they didn't know the team and they were you know as things were evolving people you know started to get there fan favorites um and uh yeah i mean by the end of the season we were rocking um and you, you know what just looking at the, the the first um home game really which is a friendly um ticket sales are currently where they were last season about two weeks before the game a month before the game now wow so um so yeah so i mean you know that's a correlation um there absolutely it's just growing yeah speaks volumes to a real exciting year ahead as well anyone listening as well please uh do look into that i believe it's september 16th september um, 16th yes, yes the, the mickey burn the mickey burn memorial um against uh team Solon kestrels really looking forward to that one yeah i mean that's the, the one thing i would say about that game kestrels aren't going to come down and being you know intimidated the, no the, the crowd will have less effect because you know they're a div one team that's just gone down to div two they're kind of used to it, I think. So, you know, that is... Absolutely. And they're expertly coached. They're told that it's all between the lines, that they won't buy into the atmosphere, especially not on an away floor. They'll, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we try and take the same mindset. You know, if an away team... We, we haven't found anywhere in Division Three with, with an away crowd 
that that matches what Portsmouth bring. But um, when when we're away and we don't have that extra support from the supporters in that sense, we literally we we focus on it's between the lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything external announcers, you know, dance routines, or timeouts, things like that. They we don't try not to buy into that. It's you know it's between us and them and we, we're here to get a job done we, we treat it as business trips for sure well this is a nice segue because uh it must be difficult or explain to us what it's like playing for the force against the kestrels when you have history there um it will be exciting for sure i've had experience playing against my old coaches um throughout the past few seasons um playing bucks for university of portsmouth we have we've had a friendly or two against Itchen College, which is the Team Sewing Kestrel's EABL side for their under-19s. So playing against them one or twice a few times last season, um, it's not the same level because it's their college kids, so the skill level isn't as high, but the structure, the mentality that they take, the level of professionalism which they demonstrate at a young age, you, you go, going against that as a uni squad where you may have a bit more experience, a bit more um a bit more skill depending on um you know people's experience with basketball it, it's a it's a wide it, it's a wide net you cast at the bucks level so um experiencing that um it was interesting at first for sure especially um yeah being on the receiving end you try to focus on everything between the lines like i was saying but you know you'll you'll catch in the corner of your eyes sometimes your old coach holding up a uh play for a horn set which, I was just he, about which, to he, ask. which he used to run for you things like that and you think hmm that's 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 that's, a, that's kind of a cool moment um and you know the mutual respect is there with them i wouldn't be in the position i am without the kestrels coaching and their their development of me over the years so um no and i'm sure they're going to have an amazing season in division two as well as they go in their new direction as a club also yeah i mean out of curiosity as as a player on a court and you see a coach do something, would you then communicate that straight to your team? And, or would you communicate that out loud so they know exactly you're letting everyone know what they're doing? Uh, if you see a coach go into a certain way, you don't necessarily see the coach. You see, you look at the coach, because the coach will tell players, uh, switch into a zone. They'll, they'll, say, they'll say something like 23 or red for which in their, I guess, I guess in their code will stand for a two, three. Sometimes you see it in game film loading up, leading up to a game. So uh, some teams put their games on YouTube so you can look at beforehand. Um, okay, you hear in the background red and a, and a team goes into two, three. You then, okay. hear, you, then, you then hear that in a game, red, you see it go into a two, three. And sometimes it takes the first quarter if you don't have the luxury of seeing that team play beforehand. Um, uh, sometimes you've got to adjust, you've got to see what they do in the first quarter um, in terms of their tendencies, what, what kind of structure they like to run, and if they adjust depending on you as well. So I guess um, not to harbour too hard, and I'd say Plymouth is a good example because we played Plymouth uh, Marjon, Plymouth Marjon University in Division 3 in back-to-back -back weeks. Um, remember I talked to you after that one as well, and um, we beat them neither game was comfortable but we were in the driver's seat a lot more in the first game and we had a lot of success playing down low and then as a result in the second game they had a structure around doubling the post around um you know closing in on ball screens and forcing us to be jump shooters so um as a result of that sometimes you have the luxury of knowing beforehand what they're going to do and sometimes you don't so it's about just communicating it with the team but not openly or loudly enough sometimes a place is so loud especially 
at Portsmouth Force home crowd. Sometimes it's so loud that you can shout whatever you want to your teammates and not everyone will pick up on it. Oh, okay. As well. Who's who's the chatty one at the Force? Who's the chatty one? Who's who's the one who barks barks out a lot of those these sort of things? Uh, ooh, from a vocal specs perspective, on the on court, I'd say our captain Ollie is definitely one of our most vocal. Um, a captain Ollie Blake, sorry. Um, yeah, he's vocal in terms of getting us into our sets and everything. Um, I'd say myself as well. I try to call, uh, call out when guys do specific things. And um, I'd say uh, Zachary Abbey as well, who um, uh, joined us one year fresh out of playing uh, Fortage in college in the ABL. He's um, uh, between us three, and then I'd say Simon for. Um, you know, helping carry our offensive load. He's great in terms of getting people into their spots where they need to be, etc. How is Zach? So I, I've not seen Zach in, well, probably since the end. So I know he was potentially going away. Is he still going away? Is he still around? Uh, that's right. So um, it's not totally for me to say what he's, um, where his mind is right now, but he was telling me he was looking at um, playing high-level Bucks basketball in the UK. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll leave it to him to give you the specifics, but that's, um, I don't want to harp too much on his business. I'd yeah, say. he was, you know, he was just an exciting player. Really um, exciting, 100%. And, um, you know, I think I, I might have been in the Kestrels. Didn't he break both his wrists at one point for the Kestrels? Horrid, so you yeah. could you could see sometimes when he was driving in, it was just that mental injury still where he was worried about that. But, you know, he... He had some of those games where, you know, what he had like five out of five threes once, didn't he? And yeah. it was just like, you know, when he had, when he's on his game, on it, when it was his day, it was his day. You could see that. 100%. And he was so fun to play with, especially being a big um, um, who draws a lot of attention in the post at this level specifically. Um, you love having guys like that who know where to move from the wing to the corner as a defense comes to double you. So you can get that kick out, that swing and then find him in the corner and you know it's as good as in. Um, yeah, that experience playing with him and his older brother Adam as well, uh, through Kestrels as well. Um, yeah, knowing how they play and having that luxury of having a, a confident shooter like that. Um, yeah, it can't be it can't be overstated, 100%. Yeah, I, you know what, talking about Adam Riabi, um, and and Zach as well, I've got so much respect for both of those guys because when the Portsmouth Force started out, I was trying to help a little bit with rec recruitment. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, sending an email, I uh, know a Facebook message to Adam and Zach. Oh yeah. Saying, you know what? There's this National League setup happening, um, Division Three. It'd be great if you could be part of it. <laughs> and what uh, Adam uh, messaged me back when, uh, I'm currently playing for the Surrey Scorchers, which yeah, is, yeah. is the BBL. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was like he wasn't going to come down from BBL to play National League Div Three. However, the email he wrote back to me was, you know, admirable. He was like, you know, currently playing for the BBL. I really appreciate you reaching out. And I just thought, you know what? He's a BBL player. Someone's asked him to play Div Three, and um, he just came back really respectfully. <laughs> um, and I just, you know what? A, a lot of credit. Um, I know I know his, his, his mum was at um, some of the games and I, I said that to her I said you know what he could have just ignored that um, like a lot of people do or just laughed off it but he was really respectful and you know what I, I give them both a lot of credit because you know what they've been you know raised right yeah 100% really good guys really good set of guys
So, Alex, you know, Mark mentioned, you, you know, with the Kestrels game coming up, you got a lot of experience with the with the Kestrels. So, um, I know you were, you you started out really, I, I guess, was it just before this juggernaut that we talk about? That's the word we said, the Kestrels juggernaut. It was just before that kind of really kicked in. You were in the youth setup, right? That's right. So, yeah, I, I played since the age of nine or ten, I believe. Um, with yeah, going through the junior setup all the way through the uh, spent my third year of college playing EABL and then uh, played with their men's sides whilst playing for the University of Portsmouth. So I believe I was nine years old. I was watching my older brother play, and uh, the late great Bev Guyman uh, came up to me uh, and my mum just said, uh, "How old are you?" I said, "I'm nine." Said, um, uh, "Would you like to play in this uh, under tens tournament we got going on tomorrow here at uh, Quilly Sports Centre?" Um, yeah, jumped at the opportunity because, you know, you watch your older brother play and kind of, you know, big six foot nine athlete, you kind of watch in admiration and um, want to be able to emulate that. And from there, that's when the real, real passion for it started. Um, um, yeah, tried my hand at things like, you know, goalkeeping and football, being a wicket keeper in cricket, just none of them gave me the same kind of excitement, I think, as playing basketball. And that's why I stuck with it. But um, yeah, fast forwarding a decade or so, um, uh, yeah, the past um, the past few years of university up until last season, I was playing um, mostly Division Two level for Kestrels, and I had the luxury as well uh, in my first year of university to be able to play up with the um, Division One side just to be a practice player for their training sessions. Oh wow! And I got the um, I got the blessing of an opportunity to be able to act as a reserve player for their Division One squad when there were a few men down as well and this was the year where they went right undefeated right up until the point where corona ended the season unfortunately um this is the year that they got the guys made it all the way to the bbl trophy final against newcastle eagles so yeah um yeah british basketball enthusiasts who are watching will uh, remember that year well literally just before the entire sporting world had to, was forced to stop that was the last game that went down up in newcastle um, no. So, the, so the way that works then is you, you're, you know, registered as a servant Kestrel. That's They've right. got a team in Division One, Two, and Three, and depending on, I guess, ability at that time, I guess maybe it might even be a coach's decision to go big against a team. That's where they push players around or advance them to from di from di Division Three to Division Two or drop them down, etc. Is That's that right. how it works? Well, it was more in the it was more in the name of giving everyone. Um, giving as many people as possible the opportunity to see what they were doing at as high a level as possible. So uh, myself and a bunch of my Division Two teammates, a couple of Itchen College guys as well, uh, depending on their ability, all got the all got the chance to go up from their current team for one evening um, and you know fill in the last spot on the Division One team. And um, a lot of the time, that team would be in comfortable leads so you'd get to you know play uh, just have that experience playing the last few minutes of garbage time but um those yeah. minutes mean a lot to you though. exactly yeah. as, a, as an as an individual as a you know a 19 year old going on 20 um you know just 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 finally growing into his adult body that that those kind of moments mean a lot and you know you overthink those two minutes those one and a half minutes those 30-ish seconds depending on the game um and those seconds mean a lot to you but 
just having that opportunity and having that memory and that you know thing to tick off on your bucket list of it's experience as well isn't it exactly yeah it's that um and then i guess it just builds and builds i mean what is the difference between uh, well more more currently between you know the the divisions because you've played in all three so the ports of force are now in division three what's like how much of a jump is it between those three i'd say um if we're if we're looking at it as a spectrum so i'd say the biggest progression between each league is physicality i'd say that's that's the mainly you could argue uh people's knowledge of x's and o's people's basketball iq also goes up at each level people's um athletic ability at each level um because there's a real variance of talent in every single league there's guys playing division three who are more than capable of contributing offensively at a division one level but do they have the right iq or the uh or do they have a 40-minute motor to be able to you know go against pro level bodies for a prolonged period of time so um yeah if i talk if i talk about the difference between the three divisions um physicality would definitely be the one main in a in a, in a nutshell um physicality strength and athleticism i think are the thing that the things that vary the most yeah i think you know when you look at um yanis in the nba and you look at when he first joined and i think there's that classic picture isn't there where he's like quite i don't want to say scrawny but he's you know they you fast forward he was a lean he yeah. was lean mm -hmm. you you fast forward what two three seasons and you know the his arms like double in in size don't Absolutely. they yeah, yeah bulks up i mean uh, you see a lot of them as well when they when that you're saying alex about the sort of a 40 minute motor to keep them running but the athleticism you need to do that for a season mm. Is that next level as well, isn't it? Because you think oh, I, I, could, I could run around that for that period of time. Next week you won't see me because I will be dead in my bed. Yeah. But I can, I can give it all in one hit. It's like oh no, in three days you got another game. It's like yeah, no, I can't do well, that. Well, you know what? With these guys, that actually goes up another level. Yeah. So because uh, I mean, how 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 often do you guys train with train with the ports of force? Like two, three times a week? Yeah. So Portsmouth Force training would be um, two to three times a week. Um, so then you've got your game at the weekend yes. and then you've got your university training which is then you, also twice a week and then you've got your university games mm -hmm. as well and look, let's face it they're at a high level as well mm -hmm. um that when you look at it in that aspect when you're bringing in the university stuff you yeah. know you you guys are running hard six out of seven days a week yeah absolutely and um it's a it's a real body toll but i think what um I think especially given that you know we're all young adults now we're all in our phase of you know you got to look after your body as well we were talking me and some of the uni guys who also play force um about re re we kind of realized we, we see each other six out of seven days a week and mm -hmm. and in varying levels of sociability as well because our university training session starts 6 30 a.m on a monday and tuesday um and our and one of our portsmouth force sessions runs on a monday from 8 till 10. So you finish that session at 10, some guys need dropping home, you, you whip them around South Sea, Fratton, et cetera, um, from Highbury College to around Ravelin. You get home at 11, you know, try and put some food in your system just to recover. And then you're up at, um, you're up at 6 a.m. taking the walk to Ravelin. Um, 
and that's and that's a Monday to Tuesday schedule and then by that you're wiped but you but it's about looking after your body to be ready for that Wednesday Bucks game that is a lot I mean what do you do nutritionally as well with stuff like that because you've just said there eat, eating in the evening for example and it's a nice bit of a tangent but mm. just curious there because that that takes its toll just just on when you eat how you eat what you eat if you're training that much six days a week like rest days and that is vital isn't it and, and I would almost say I think basketball players especially are notorious for eating badly yeah that's true is, th is that your excuse <laughs> that, well, was, when I was playing National League I would see it you just you just think you know someone turns up to a game and they're having a foot long subway do you know what I, I'd say it's the same with probably a lot of professional athletes um, it's the same with like a shift worker when it's you're eating when you eat when you can eat yeah, you have no because body you clock have, for it no. his, yeah the body clock is i'm doing this this and this that's what i need to do so my fuel goes in around that and you know you grab it when you can yeah and think of doctors and nurses they just grab it when yeah they go so, oh my breaks at two o'clock in the afternoon they're like okay I, i'm just gonna put this bag of blood down because it's my break they're like i'll eat when i get to eat absolutely yeah, yeah. And you know what, just thinking, um, something just popped in my head there, where you were talking about six out of seven days you're seeing these guys. I know this is just from when I was playing, we were probably training three times a week, and it got to the point where the camaraderie we had, if someone bumped one of my guys, whoever bumped him, they're getting bumped. Yeah. Like next. So if you're seeing those guys every day pretty much, are you getting that camaraderie i'd say so definitely yeah we're, we're, we're in a spot where you know if you see if you see a bump you see a, you see a commotion you see some words exchanged um you're not exactly you're not looking to you know start a fight or anything but you you want to you want to protect your guy at all costs whether that involves uh, i think it was against bogner their um yeah one of their players was um i know exactly he was, who he's talking he was, about he now was, um, i don't i don't want to name names <laughs> i can na i'll name him he won't mind me naming what's, okay. what's, it's um it's the big guy six foot seven foot guy what's he called i think i'm thinking of big luke big luke luke atfield yeah um absolute monster isn't he oh no i was thinking he's about big, that he's a big dude he is, really is a big dude. I've had some. Now you're a big dude, and he's uh, yeah, a, yeah. And a different gravy. Yeah, and and the <laughs> weird thing about him, he doesn't, he doesn't even bang down low like that. He's not a he's he doesn't you know thrive off post play. He, he's a spot up three point shooter. It's it's nuts, yeah. and it's damn they're unguardable sometimes, because you know seven feet tall shoots from above his head. Happy <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki. Nuts, isn't it? Um, but now I was thinking about um his partner in crime. Um one of his teammates uh, just end of the third quarter was chirpsing back and forth with Simon and you can see them getting up close and at that moment you just you know grab the other guy and just walk him towards his bench kind of thing yeah so it's yeah it's definitely a case that we have each other's backs and I think especially with a lot of the uni guys because it's, it's not a season for some of us it's three seasons for some guys it's two and a bit it um it varies because we've had uh, and we've and we've gone through some experiences together the uni guys before Portsmouth Force was a thing like the two seasons prior in university we got promoted from division three to two and then division two to one and um a lot of those were some hard-fought battles to get over some really tough teams and um as well and in between those two seasons we had a year where we couldn't play inside because of uh, corona 
and we were playing, we were doing our training sessions all run by Coach Dan at Langston, uh, uh, Langston Sports Center, which is, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, is an outdoor playing field, uh, which has a football pitch, a rugby pitch, and an outdoor basketball court, which is about the size of a tennis court. And we did our training there for one year straight. Um, so that's bomb my house. It's 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 bonkers, isn't it? And um, that's the thing. I'm then going into the season when we finally got what we all love back. When we finally got our basketball back, we were we were telling each other like in a lot of our games we were overqualified because we're playing at a level we're all above. But we get to a couple of tough games, Brighton University to label one of them, and you say like these guys have not been battle tested like us. They they haven't been you know running. They haven't been dribbling on concrete for. 12 months straight they haven't been you know they haven't dived for a loose ball on tarmac like they don't yeah, wow this exactly. is like this is boston celtics days isn't it when they like used to it. say to bill russell unless your your knees are bleeding you haven't you, you haven't worked hard today no mm. blood no foul exactly so th i think a lot of camaraderie comes from the time we've had together over the course of a few seasons not just this one alone 100 i mean just talking about that that is a significant achievement for Bucks at the university to be promoted from Div 3 to Div 2, then yeah. from Div 2 to Div 1. Massive. And then to go on and win Bucks. Absolutely, yeah. It was um that nah, was a real point of pride. You could see you could see the level of accomplishment in, in, within Coach Dan as well. Because um from when I first got here, coming to the University of Portsmouth purely as an academic decision. Um, I, I thought their basketball was irrelevant to me, uh, but being able to be a foundation part of um, a, a group of guys who took us from Division 3 all the way up to Division 1, which is just one below Bucks Prem, which a lot of BBL clubs are associated with. So to be able to have that claim and to, and the fact that we came second in Bucks Division 1 this year, it's, it's a real point of pride. And, you know, we were one win away from um getting the getting the top spot in our division and then having the chance to play cardiff metropolitan for uh the chance of promotion to bucks prem like we've really accomplished a lot in a short amount of time so it's just a big part of what i'm really excited about staying another season for 100 and so whilst you've been at university so you've won bucks uh the bucks championship in 2022 and two years before that yeah so 22 and 20 and then in 22 as well we also won the cup for our division as well we have a league and a cup and um yeah we pulled off the double last season which is which was nuts when i mean as well. that's an achievement isn't it that's an achievement i mean just just thinking about um dan as head coach you know he's he's coming to he's coming in He's coming in some point, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've got him next, actually. Well, sorry. In the in the, I'm going to screw this up again. In the don't in say the, it. In the episode that we're releasing, he's not after Alex, but he's further down. Yeah, he's coming up. But um, I think he's he's going to be episode eight, seven or eight. We're getting like that. we're getting that professional, Alex. We're yeah, actually yeah, yeah. planning ahead. You're on your schedule. Just, yeah, it's just rather than just whoever knocks the door and rolls in. <laughs> I mean, what an achievement for Dan. He's he is one bucks twice. He has done exceptionally well for the for the Ports of Force. Um, not just the men's, but you know his involvement with some of the younger National League teams as well. Um, 
And, you know, I think his output has been recognized by him winning like self coach of the year last year. Then I think he got division three coach of the year. That's right. Um, so, you know, you know, the one thing about Dan, which I really like is what he's brought to the club is the, I'm trying to think of the right words to use. I think it's the level of respect. Like no one was calling us, sir, when this first started dan came in hello sir mm-hmm. now the entire squad hello sir and i'm just like you really can call me paul but mm-hmm. it's he's in it feels just from my perspective he's instilling um this um he's establishing a precedent yeah for sure. and that is filtering all the way down to the youth teams like i turned up to an under 12 national league session to cover someone and this player, hello, sir, how are you? And I was like, all right, oh, okay. So it is filtering down. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, he, there's definitely a strong relationship between players and coach. We can see that. Yeah. 100%. Is he different b- between the two teams? Um, I would say no. I would say he coaches us exactly the same yeah. way. What I, One of the things I, I really respect Coach Dan for is that he actively seeks um feedback from his players as well because he he's really passionate about you know making portsmouth a hub for a, a, a true you know powerhouse for basketball yeah um in in england and um what one of the things i guess an example i could give you is so throughout our buck season last year uh, after every game he wanted a paragraph from everyone in our group chat and in that group and that paragraph included a positive and negative about team performance a positive and negative about individual performance and then a positive and uh, negative about the coaching and he had what i think not to speak on his behalf but i believe he used that as a way to spot um any common tendencies across um uh players views of how rotations were handled um uh, what we the tactics we implemented throughout a game and it made us as a unit feel like we could relate to him more it felt like we um i'd say it made us feel more like affiliated with him and we felt more comfortable um getting out of our comfort zones uh we were able to we felt more empowered to be able to speak out give our opinion uh lead people follow when needed um so he established a, a unique take on being a coach from something from what i've been used to that um yeah really surprised me and i think established a good precedent for how we function throughout that season yeah were you thinking what i'm thinking when when alex said that mm-hmm. i looked at looked at you um yep the, the like with that data that dan's getting there you know, qualitative thematic analysis, isn't it? Jeez. That's <laughs> just... call, that, call the academic supervisor. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> he is actually, I, I, I'm not sure how, what level he's going into that, but there is some information in the words you'd be using, I bet he is, in the words you're using, where he could really identify and hone in on certain aspects of, you know, yeah, what, absolutely. what people are thinking. But even the fact that as you say, Alex, he's opening the floor and and encouraging communication, mm-hmm. which is inherently from any coaching perspective, 
going back decades, it has always been rather than I'm a leader. Uh, it's like I'm your boss. You're doing what I say you do. Whereas now taking in this approach it is much more of a leadership where it's saying we all talk, we're all responsible. Everyone's taking a level of ownership by giving you positives and negatives. Definitely. And that is tough to, you know, you have to be a certain type of character to be able to pull that off. Mm -hmm. Because other people could suggest it and it'd be like, yeah, no one's filled that in. But there's also value in that because like, let's say, it, let's say I was playing with Alex and I've got a real problem with something Alex is doing on the court. Mm -hmm. You get all that out. Oh, yeah, Dan absolutely. extrapolates that and he's got that as an information where it's like, let's say, let's say this guy is not passing the ball. Yep. You know, we're running these plays and this guy is not, you know, you, you would get all that out. Yep. And it, it gets out their system as much as getting it out as a, this is what the problem is. I think the famous one that just popped in my mind was Lakers in 1999 with Kobe. Mm -hmm. They've got Shaq, they've got Kobe, and Kobe wasn't passing the ball. <laughs> and Phil Jackson um, kicked everyone out the locker room other than the players, and it just ended up with players crying and just and all coming out just saying, Kobe don't pass the ball. And what happened next season? They went and won the championship. Yep. Yeah. Leaves it all out on the floor, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gets it all out. That's the, well, I didn't know that. That was great. Speaks volumes. And I think it um it then results in as a result players feel more they they respect more what you say. So I guess if you wanted another example, to start this season, uh, in the Bucks, we started with zero wins, two losses. And they were our only zero wins. They were our they were our only two losses of the year. And we never looked back from that. Coach uh sat me down one uh random Wednesday, ran into him at Ravelin sat me down in the seating area with his laptop and talked me through a, a table he'd created called Alex's Turnovers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to pretend my stuff doesn't stink. Um, I had a real bad start to the year. I was averaging five turnovers a game over three games. And, and what he did, he sat me down with this little table, breaking down where each turnover came from. Was it, oh, wow. was it through a pass? Was it, was I getting stripped? was it um, three seconds in the key, a travel, footwork, etc. And then what he um, did was he got our, st our statisticians, um, should I say that three times over, at the, um, uh, who work with our uni team, he got them to compile a, a, a minute and a half video. And in the moment you think, oh, and there's a character assassination here, what are you doing? Um, but it really then set the, but then really it really set the tone for what he then wanted me to focus on more yeah and as a result like um three or four times throughout the season uh, i'd get a voice note from him before the game saying something like today your main focus is running the floor today your main focus is hitting a, hitting a guy on your screen and provided you do this very little specific thing throughout the game today everything else will come naturally and um i remember it, it kind of it does a thing of it simplifies the game for you i think as well and i'm very much uh, the less you think about it the better it goes yeah especially in a basketball sense if i overthink it it will it will, it will you know it will fire back at me it will backfire so um you know giving me specific things to focus on and also just you know taking the t taking the time out and the effort to you know compile a compile a little table and compile videos and stuff and 
he then makes me happy to take that criticism. So I'll be like, oh, thank you, thank you for taking the time to do this. Can you send me this video and this table so I can go through well, it? That's invaluable. Well. That's invaluable. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask him to show me Alex's table when he comes in. Yeah, I can, I can show you. I can show you when we finish if you want. It's um, yeah. it's still saved in my camera roll. That's amazing. I had it, I had it, really I had it as my um, phone wallpaper for a week just to really ingrain what he's trying to say in my brain. Like g genuinely, that is, uh, you know, it's great for you to share that. That's where I'm going, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people, and we, we've said it on a few of these podcasts now, people understand that it's a team, they turn up, they watch a game, that's it. What they don't appreciate always is how much goes on in the background yeah, and how each individual person within the team and the people around the team, etc., the amount of little things that they have to do, like sending a message specifically to one person, I need you doing this, need you doing this. This is every day, every week, little little things going on constantly. To have got to that stage where you're having to maintain that, that that's admirable. Mm -hmm. That's really that's that's really cool to hear these other stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, and the two things that jumped out when Alex was just saying that were, well, one that is invaluable information that is coming to you there, and my two focuses are one as Dan. When he's sending you that voice note, that is, again, invaluable because you're going into that game and it reminds me of Mick Byrne. Mm. You know, he, he was a, you know, a, a high level coach where you would go into the game and you'd say, your job today is to stop number 12. Mm -hmm. That is, and, and you would go into the game going 12. Okay, that is my yeah. whole focus. So um, that he is keeping, and he just kept it simple. Things like, where are their baskets coming from? Mm. Inside, deal with that. There you go. Okay, really keep it simple. So I think what Dan's doing there is, is, is brilliant. Um, the other aspect of this, I just wanted to say, I think what Dan is doing as, as well is you're taking negative criticism here, but it's actually improving you as a player. So it's making you stronger as an individual. You can't go through life like with eggshells everywhere around you. Yeah. It's strengthening your character as an individual, dealing with that criticism. So... You know, I just think that just enhances you as a player. Absolutely, and he, he he doesn't he doesn't use it as a way to discourage. He tells you so. You know, you've got all these turnovers, but I don't want, I don't want you to then get zero turnovers next game because the way you play, the the free way the free way in which you play helps us loads. But um, it's 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 looking at where these specific turnovers are coming from. Keep that in mind when you play, um, but still be the player that you are that helps us. He and. As a result of things like that, he then empowers us to feel more like we can um, make mistakes. We can challenge him as well. I'll happily, you know, he's more than comfortable with guys calling him out in training session saying, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that because he's more, he's all about discussion. Yeah. So as a result, it's, it doesn't only develop us as players, but I think also as people, which is a very generic thing to say. But I think for such a young group that we have, I think that's important. And I yeah. think he knows that. But he's getting, if he's getting it to the level where it's like, I'm on this part of the court and this is where I have all my, most of my turnovers, mm. that is just the word invaluable. It, how difficult is that when you run into that part of the court and you've got the ball and you're like, hey, on, this is where I turn it over. Yeah. I turn it over here. <laughs> here it goes, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm winging a pass out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. Wow. Um, and you know what? Just, you know, moving on from, from that, you know what an accomplishment for you at the end of this season um you get 
nominated to go to the England Uni Select. Oh, thank you so much for saying. Yeah, that was nah, that was an incredible way to cap off an awesome season, 100%. Uh, both uh, me and Simon, Simon Orlana Peckin for the viewers. Um, uh, yeah, we got the opportunity, both myself and him were nominated by the university to attend the trials, which happened in Birmingham around the start of June, I believe. And then uh, that was a group of about 20 guys from universities all over the country, some real heavy hitting basketball universities as well. We had some guys from Northumbria, some guys from Loughborough, uh, Coventry, Birmingham City, etc. And the program was run by um, uh, Danny Williams and coach Dan Watts from uh, Birmingham City and Nottingham Hoods Division One res uh, respectively. Um, so it was overseen by some real high IQ guys and um, now we had a real fun experience when we made when we both made the team um, the drive up was fun and then uh, two weeks later we were in uh, Swansea to play the Welsh national team um, which uh, funnily enough it consisted of um, two or three maybe four players who uh, myself and Simon had seen throughout the division three season because they played for Cardiff Met Archers um, that's the proper Welsh national team yeah right? the proper, okay. not just the university guys some Grown, grown, wow. grown guys as well, um, and that was a real fun experience. Um, it's the first time this program started back up again. So for those who are continuing, so Simon's one of the lucky ones because he'll still be at the university, and I'd be very surprised if he didn't get selected to continue playing because he had an amazing game for them that day. Um, they all get to play in a Four Nations tournament um, next summer. Oh, so, wow. so the program's just gonna, you know, keep blossoming from there. But now to be a part of this first group to restart this program which was down for a few years um representing um representing uh nationally against wells was such an awesome experience and now nah, something i'm gonna remember forever absolutely really good fun well i mean what a way to sign off your university career tell me about it you know you, well, you've there's won. always a phd option <laughs> well I, we don't need to worry about the contract anymore <laughs> yeah. i think yeah the vietnamese dongs are out the door they, they've gone to someone else now <laughs> but um you know what a, what a university career you win yeah. bucks twice you get promoted twice you get into the england uni select team you yeah. win a game awesome. against the welsh national team that's your the end of your university career what a way to finish Oh, thank you so much, man. Oh, that means a lot. It was um, now nah, the main goal when we got to Portsmouth was to leave it in a better place than we started, and I can definitely say that from the university side. And I know that with the infrastructure they've got and the you know the precedent they've set, that the university side is just going to keep going from strength to strength. But um, yeah, we're here to stay with the national league setup and make that push for Division Two. So good. we've got some unfinished business, and I can't wait to get started. Amazing. So. I mean, just going back now to your National League career so far. Um, you know, what are your highlights? Like, from what I'm looking here, you've you've played Division Three, Two, and One. Um, you got to the Trophy Final um, when you were playing for the Div One team. I think, unfortunately, you got injured for the final. That's right, and yeah, they wanted to run with the main guys, so us reserves didn't get to go that day. They ran with the. Uh, main squads just because you know they were taking flights to Glasgow and everything um, yeah and they were fully there on business they wanted to upset Newcastle Eagles in Glasgow um, and yeah I was watching from home in a cast just raring to go and um, I think I was in a cast at that time I can't remember but um, yeah that was a real fun game to watch and 
I got to be a part of the team that went to the uh, National Cup in Essex um, a few months prior as well. And, you know, a grand total of 37 seconds on the court, but still just an awesome experience hey, against. Uh, second is one second. That's that's fine. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's the, again, it's the experience, isn't it? Exactly. And, like you know, whether you whether you were able to put up a good select few stats in those 37 seconds, whether you just exist, it's always something you can take from it. So um, no, no one looks at the seconds. You, Running you know, clothesline on a technical. <laughs> <laughs> An ejection. You got, you got, yeah, you got, you'll remember. You've got to make a headline somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? What I know about that game is the the championship winning photo, and I just see you in it. I, you don't see anything else. That's what you see. Yeah. Um, and you know what? In in ten years' time from now, you know you can be starting five in that game, and in another ten years, you know you can say you were top scorer and scored the buzzer beer. <laughs> Well, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm not claiming it in any way, just that it was a blessing to be a part of that amazing group of guys and that amazing coaching setup and it um, being able to act as a reserve at that level, it really helped um, my confidence when playing with my main squad, which was the Division 2 setup. Um, you know, as I was saying earlier, the difference between the two, you know, there's, there's teams in Division 2 who can play Division 1 and there's teams at the bottom end of Division 1 who would be more su suited to 2. But um, as a whole, you do notice a significant difference. And, you know, getting to train with um, the amazing group of guys that I got to train with and then um, being and then being put with my main squad in Division 2, you have a much, you have a much more uh, safe set of confidence to take with you. Yeah, so, and so with your last season with the Southern Kestrels you got to you're in Division 2 and you're in the playoffs that's right yeah we got to the final in at Bellevue Manchester uh, against the Manchester Magic so you're thinking oh god home oh, court they get home game yeah yeah but well, just just purely through geographical convenience but um, yeah now that was an amazing game to be a part of I checked the stats I think it was in front of around 650 people um that's going to be an average force attendance, I think. Too. Oh, it better be. No. <laughs> we shall see. But um, yeah, I'm up in front of a good chunk of people. Um, game went all the way down to the wire. We lost by one in overtime. Oh. Absolute stink. Absolute heartbreaker. <laughs> um, no, that's bad. Yeah, and that for that to be my last Kestrels game before going to force that that one stunk. That one stunk throughout the summer. But um, it was it was a part of a huge weekend for us. We um we had um four teams make the final in Manchester: our Division One, our Division Two, our women's Division One, and then our under 18s made it. That's all all in the same weekend, all all in the same two weekends. They were up in Manchester representing at the highest level. Wow! So that was a real statement for our club. That's why we we use the word the Kestrels, the juggernaut. That's mm. why we use that. I don't know if this is a silly question, but. If you win Division 2, you win Division 2 playoffs, what happens to that team? Do you go up and you've got two Kestrels teams playing against each other or do they come up with an agreement with the league whereby you can stay in that division? I am under the impression that um, you can't have two teams from the same club in the same division. So you couldn't have Team Solon Kestrels and Team Solon Kestrels 2 in the, in the same... Um, division so uh, I think no matter what happened we would have remained in division two which the team did and then as the club went to a more Solent University and Itching College focus that's when my time there was done and I uh, joined the force subsequently when I did my masters here 
a real convenient thing as the National League side propped up just as my time with Kestrels was finishing um, for the time being. And it was, yeah, a, a real good, a real good change of scenery. Um, you know, I had a really good time with my, with my few years with the Kestrels and um, being able to take a Division Two experience over here and you know, be one of the main contributors here. Yeah, it's experience, isn't it? Yeah. Abso absolutely. It was, um, and it led to a real successful year, not only individually, but for the club as a whole. And falling just short of playoffs in Division Three with the force was a re really stung, like yeah. really stung. Um, but to focus on the positives, po the positives of it, how we went from strength to strength each year, uh, not each year, sorry, each game in terms of, um, you know, playing to more as a more cohesive unit, surviving at the physical level of men's basketball, um, rather than in a university setup where, you know, the skill level's there, but the physicality isn't always there because it's you're playing against guys your age. Division three, you can see, you know, guys yeah. who, guys who have been playing for ten plus years more than you. I think the Cardiff, uh, the Cardiff Met Archers, that first home game, that was like when it was like, wow, the physical physicality, you could see it. Yeah. Absolutely, that was a that was a wake up call for us. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It was a it was almost like a uni team versus uh, a men's team. A men's almost, team. Yeah, it, it, you don't could mean see that, that but yeah. no, but you and you, but you could see that there was definitely I want to say not generational difference, but you think there's there's a, a few more hours on those people from Cardiff. Um, yeah, well, one of their players was also um, had come from an American college, so he playing um, over there. But you could see again, he was just built strong. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just want to go back on one thing, Alex, that you said. I've got a question for you regarding. You said about sometimes you get a team that is in Division Two, but they're probably a Division One team. Um, could Kestrels be in the BBL? Or maybe not now, but if they had the funding. I think at the time I was playing for them, they were definitely BBL um, material. Yeah. They, they were, yeah, they definitely had the ingredients, especially our um, the guys' run in the BBL trophy, which I got to witness firsthand just from the very end of the bench. Um, the running, beating the London Lions, Bristol Flyers at home in front of an amazing crowd on a Wednesday night and taking Newcastle Eagles into overtime in the final. Um, you know, um, I obviously didn't get into any of those games, but viewing that from the side on and just being a, being a part of the training sessions that built that culture and built that, um, that pedigree of excellence that the guys were playing in the 2019, 2020 season, I definitely think at that point they were BBL ready. And it, does it really just come down to attendance while they can't go into BBL? Oh God, there's a, there's so many various rule seven subsection B um, about the details. I believe you have to buy a franchise. You can't just get promoted. Um, you got to like earn your place. You got to take someone else's place to oh. to be a part of the BBL. But um, I'm definitely not the best authority to give you a full you know, concrete answer on it. I wonder if they would ever expand the league then if you have to buy into it. I wonder if anyone, if no one's selling, how I do mean, you get into is, it? This is opening up the Seattle Sonics wound for me. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's what, the, the, a lot of the leagues are, don't they? They have a very stringent, here's a lock on it. You can't, you can't, once you get to a certain point, there's a ceiling and this is, you can't go up into it. It's, these are the people who live in there. If someone comes out from administration or someone's 
that their team's just blown apart or whatever, then fine. But yeah, I mean, in the NBA, before you become an owner, you have to go to all the other owners, don't you? Yeah. Um, and justify your case. Yeah, it d- yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you got. And I think they can chop people out, and the same as they did with. Um, oh, I can't remember who it was quite recently. I think was it Phoenix owner. They basically pretty much forced them to. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you're who owns? You're a Dallas fan. Who owns the, the Dallas? Mark Cuban. That's so right. Shark when, Tank. when he first went into talk to all the uh, NBA owners, I, he was quite like, uh, we, he's quite young. Hang on, look who's this guy. Yeah, they, they weren't a massive fan. Yeah, but and then then you have people like Steve Ballmer who then bought the Clippers. True. And people are like, oh yeah, he's fine. Just some old dude, load of money, and uh, just get getting more and more money. And he recently bought the old forum i think it was what the the old the western the west western well, arena or something like that isn't it the, yeah the one that originally the lakers, the lakers used to play yeah. at. is that still around is it so it i think i, I believe it's got these arches all the way around the stadium, yeah no it? i could be wrong here but i believe it was owned by the company who owned madison square garden as well oh wow yeah and then they were hiring out or it was being leased by a church of some sort or something like that and then they almost said, no, that's where it's got to be. And so the Clippers' new stadium was going to be there. But then they made him buy it for some crazy amount, like 400 million or something. It was like this a ridiculous amount of money, but he's like, that's where it has to be. And then they're now building this stadium or whatever it is. And I don't even know oh, if so it's they they He's bought it, knocked it down now. They're big and don't think he knocked it down. I have to look. I have to look it up literally in a minute. But there's some. There was some weird thing. I don't I, know if he knocked it down or anything. But he bought it for 100 million. I know this. The Clippers they are right currently in. Um, they're currently out of uh, Staples, aren't they? Yeah, and that. Well, that's why because at the moment it's game day. It's take one off, put one up. Take one off, put one up. Well, I know with the um, with the uh, what do you call it, like the banners and and the the. Na- um, the numbers that get retired, they they just have them in the different parts of the corner. Like you'll have the Lakers on one corner. I think I want to say the Lightning or something like that is a like a hockey team. Oh, and right. then you'll have the Clippers, and then you'll have. Uh, I'm sure there's some like uh, WNBA uh, players up there as well. But um, yeah, they share that court. Um, but yeah. Um, so Alex, like the forum. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, the West Union Forum, that's what it was called. Yeah, and so he bought that. And you know what? Really interesting fact here. The guy, uh, It was... Um, who owned the Lakers? The original guy, Bus. Bus. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry Bus. Bus. So he needed money. Um, I think he needed money quite a few times, but on one occasion he needed money and he was talking to the Western Union Bank mm. and he was the first owner to say... Would you like to buy the name, and we'll call it the Western Union Arena? That's clever. And he turned around, and everyone's like, "Wow, that is clever! You've just taken nothing, which is a name of an arena, mm. and gone. I've just made millions for for the team. And this was, I think, at a time when he needed money. Got to tip your hat off to it, isn't it? Yeah. Take some. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, a lot of those people, they yeah, they have a lot of money, but those were the teams, the money, the money amount of money that swings, they'll have. There's 500 million, but then they'll, right, we just bought this place. You know, they've just lost 500 million. Yeah. Sunk in somewhere else that may or may not work. So. Uh, I'm fairly confident with Jerry Buss, there was a few occasions where they were like, we need money now. Like, we really need money. Which um, is funny now, because Lakers on paper uh, are, are the highest grossing team in the 
NBA. Wow, that and makes sense. Behind them is it's gonna be New York. It'd, New be, York. it'd be Knicks or Golden State, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then Dallas is like fifth or think or something like that because some of them go on the teams like for the home crowds and stuff. So like Indiana, they get a great great crowd, but they're a small market team. Right. So not many other people around the world go. All right, I'm gonna get a Pacers jersey. Whereas New Chicago's York, Chicago's yeah. still up there, but New York and LA because of tourism, people just all go to Madison Square Garden or whatever. So it's weird because you look at New York and they haven't done anything in 40 years. I mean, the, the closest they got was with Pat Ewing and uh, John Starks annoying Jordan and stuff. That's about as close as they got in the sort of late 80s. I think 90s. they got, didn't they get to the finals and lose to Houston? I think, didn't they? I know they definitely were in the conference finals around there, especially when Jordan had his two years off. That's when That's um, I right. think the Knicks went. Because they the beat the Bulls that year, didn't they? When there was no MJ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, Alex, got a question for you. Um, uh-huh. I'm not sure how to... Fr- I'll just say it. I, I, I'm not sure whether to ask it or not. But So you've got all this history with the Solent Kestrels. Why the Portsmouth Force? Why do you why do you move to the Portsmouth Force from the Kestrels? Was it just easier, like from unit, like why? Well, I made the move down. Uh, so, um, Team Southern Kestrels they went into a different direction after our Division Two uh, final of season. So, the um, they had to move to a different structure where their roster was comprised of players who went to Solent University so at that point I was um, I just finished my undergraduate so I know and I wanted to do a master's I just wasn't sure where yet I um, I consider Solent but I don't find the I don't really find any courses I have the passion for I look at um, I look at Portsmouth again and Portsmouth have an alumni discount as well they give you 20% off and um, uh, I speak to Coach Dan. I talk to him about what we're looking at doing this coming season, and um, yeah, he sells me on the uh, just fully buying into the Portsmouth experience this year. This was the first year I lived away from home as well. I uh, stayed in the house with two other members of the uh, UOP uh, basketball team, and um, yeah, lived in Portsmouth and um, studied and played for the uni and for uh, the force and. Um, so yeah, this was my first year playing National League that wasn't as a Solon Kestrel. And so. you know what? I mean, we like I said earlier in the podcast, you're you're, you're definitely a um, one of the fan favourites. Um, we, we've seen that uh, throughout the season. But towards the end of the season, you get now. You, I guess, you could go back to the Solon Kestrels if you wanted to. I mean, I know you were looking at potentially, you know, playing European basketball as well, but. Part of me thought, I wonder because you'd played for so long in the Kestrels, would you go back to that? So what influenced your decision to stay in? Well, it's certainly not a door I'll ever close. Um, you know, who knows what the future will hold in terms of what position will be the best in- individually looking forward. Um, I think what ha- were the main driving force with um, uh, staying with Portsmouth this year was the fact that we have unfinished business. Uh, you know, being a part of, like you say, that inaugural uh, team who um, started uh, the first National League team in how many years was it since we were last in National League? Uh, about 11 years now. Yeah, something like that. So, um, yeah, being a part of that first startup again 
and uh, I think having the ability to uh, boast because we got so close in our first year I think um, and at Portsmouth we're no stranger to success in terms of promotion recently and like I said at the start of this like um, Portsmouth as a whole like the city it's just been an integral part of my upbringing in terms of where I was born where my family's grown up well, you know um, what the place has to offer and um, I feel like we've got the potential to do something really special especially with the guys that we're bringing in uh, from elsewhere as well a, a, a lot of people I'm familiar with from Solent University from Bournemouth um, are looking at signing on to the force this coming year and um, I think we just have the potential to do something really special so that's one of the uh, that's one of if not the main reason I decided to stay and you know what I, I don't think you guys know as a team what's coming at you I really don't think as far as the fan base You've is concerned for sure. so I mean like Portsmouth back in the day was getting 1500 fans to every home game wow um, so over the summer period I've been talking to players well maybe towards the end of the season as well and those guys who were watching uh, the, the Portsmouth teams throughout those years they're just starting to hear about and go oh you guys got a team and they're turning up um, you know, we had Steve Ware on last week and he, you know, he was saying, you know, I'm turning up to the Ports, Ports of Force games because it's making me feel like I did when I was watching the, the Ports of 20 years ago. Um, and, you know, I know Rob Milner, the chairman, will be behind me when I say this. I really think, you know, towards the end of the season, we're selling like 350 um, fans That's right. per home game. I think we're going to smash that. I really think we're smashed out. I know... The um, the max attendance based on fire and safety and all that is five fifty. Okay. I I feel we're going to be looking at five hundred. Amazing. Where wow. they're going to go, I don't know. Absolutely. I, I don't was going to say five fifty. I'm thinking no one's sitting on my lap. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a line. <laughs> like I'm giving piggybacks. Or Again, anything. it's just you know you, there's you can see this little pattern coming. Like, but you know, the number of tickets we've sold now for this a friendly. I mean, I probably thought, oh, I wonder how many people turn up, but there's more tickets sold a month before. So, yeah, more tickets sold a month before for a friendly this season than there was for the last game of season two weeks before the game. Wow. So I'm looking at that just going, you know what? I think you're going to get more sales. I know they're talking about season tickets and stuff like that. I think, you know, I think it's just going to build. And from all the people like myself, like Mark, who have got experience of what happened 10 years 20 years ago when you know you're talking about people watching standing room only and it was three deep looking over people's shoulder to watch a basketball game you know that's kind of the level what you're talking about when you've got 1500 people in there um that's what we're looking at you know in the back of our mind going that's what we need to achieve again now i don't know if you know this alex in one of the podcasts paul's mentioned he has actually made a verbal commitment to building a stadium that has a decent capacity. Oh, really? Dedicated for basketball. Uh, was it 2,000, you were saying? 2,000 seats? Something like that, wasn't it? No, I think we went for, I think we went for 3,000. Yeah. Was, wow. So the condition is he wins the Euro Millions. Mm -hmm. That's the condition. So if we can figure out a way to do that, he has guaranteed that he would build the stadium. Yeah. Oh, Purpose built for basketball. Basketball stadium with a training facility on side. I'll, I'll enter as well. Doubles your chances. There we go. I'll, Look I'll, at this. I'll check down the back of this sofa in a minute. I'm sure there's a few <laughs> pennies somewhere. Can... 
Adam to the jar. <laughs> We're well on our way. <laughs> like no badminton courts over the top. No, like uh, like just just a dedicated basketball. Abolish badminton. And you know what? There's nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's, there's nothing quite like seeing a basketball court with purely basketball lines, you know. When you see, you know, there's, there's a couple of courts I've played on, and you see it and you think, you know, it looks so much better from a basketball perspective. Yeah. I can't remember what court it was that used to confuse me because for some reason they had those courts in unusual colours like green or something, mm. whatever it was. For some reason, my brain just did not handle it very well. And it was always, am I out? No, I'm out. Yeah, you know, I've got to come back yeah. in again, and I just it just used to confuse me because the color scheme was so different to almost all the other ones. Usually do it the same way, but I don't know what I don't know what place it was. It might have been Salisbury or somewhere. Mm -hmm. They just had a different color scheme. It just my brain just could not handle it. Yeah, you get that. You do get that. And as someone who's you know partially colorblind, I would just avoid the baseline and the sideline. <laughs> go Stay down the middle. <laughs> yeah, straight run runs. Um, Alex, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and tell us, you know, your, your, your story. And, you know, we're so looking forward to you. I really feel like we need to play that thing again, Mark. Because oh, he's re-signed. No, do it. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Do it on. again. Alex Grant has officially re-signed for the Portsmouth Force. <laughs> Great, isn't it? We're yeah, going to have to get rid of that button because you're just going to get too comfortable pressing that all hey, the time. Any, Something exciting who, happens, he's going to go all over that. I don't think we should ever... That is a, a tune that has only got played for Alex Grant. Hey, wow. We need a voting system for um, the following week so um, <laughs> listeners can vote for what song they want Coach Dan to come into next week, I think. <laughs> oh. Maybe maybe a poll. You, 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 pick, you pick two and then... Maybe put it on Facebook or Instagram or something, and then I get, like this. get people to get people wow. to vote I like this. on a fifty-fifty chance. I like this. Well, Mark, you're gonna have to. You know, there you go. Step Aqua up. Barbie girl. Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know one of the segments um, that we've uh, we were trying to bring into the show was a wider topic. You know, we talk about ports of basketball because you know that's what this is all about. But we wanted to expand it and talk about. Um, a wider topic about certain things that might not be known or are known or just delve into it a bit deeper. You got a wide topic for us this this week, Mark? I have, and funnily enough, we talked about it a little bit. We've sure. gone on, we've had a little little flirtate moment with it. But I saw this this post on Instagram. Is that about playing players in Vietnamese dong? No, there's no dongs in this. Okay. Then I'm listening. So this is a quote, and this came directly from the Cedric Maxwell podcast, and it was by Isaiah Thomas. Right. And he said, every time you hit him, he was crying, going to David Stern's office, having a meeting about getting hit. I watched Dr. J get beat up, Magic get beat up. But wait a minute, now we've got to change the rules just because MJ's getting hit. Mm -hmm. The game that they played back then, 80s to 90s, was a super physical game super physical now when Paul and I last went to the States in 2019 we I won't say I thought the physicality of the game was slightly less 
had, had been lost a little bit because we just really, really appreciate it. We, we were got courtside, we were walking around courtside at one point and you could hear the impact. And it wasn't that, it wasn't like a playoff game. This was literally the uh, beginning of the season sort of game. Mm -hmm. So they weren't really, this wasn't playoff level stuff. There was no big stakes. No big stakes. And you could hear the impacts of these guys. And I mean, they're only like six, seven foot away from us, but still you think, good Lord, that's, that is hard. So I could only imagine how physical back then it was. That, you know, this is now about getting thrown and everything. The physicality on the basketball court usually directly results in or is linked to the refs and the way that the game's played everyone's been chucking up threes that's the whole thing now people have been doing it for the last five ten years yeah so the big man like yourself doesn't do they still do you still have that physicality in the game as much or do you think that people lean on three so much now that's become the new layout I wouldn't, I think, um, I think British basketball, I think we're a little bit behind the NBA. So I think we play catch up. I think we, um, so if the, if in the NBA, the three is the new layup, then in British basketball, the new layup is the mid range and they're getting yeah. there and they're getting there. They're slowly expanding out. You see teams who play fully small ball, you see, um, and you see it in players as well. You know, you go to a pickup and you'll see a guy in a pair of Under Armour Steph Curry uh, trainers. Um, he's got <laughs> Wonder two, what he's going to shoot. <laughs> he's got, exactly. He's got two shooting sleeves on, a headband. <laughs> he's, you know, doing sprints up and down the side of the court to warm up because he's ready to absolutely out outrun you. Um, so would I say the three is the new layup? No. Um, but I would say that you do start to see the game evolve to the point where people want to rely on shooting a lot more you look at nba salaries nowadays you see guys like say duncan robinson um uh, utah watanabe i think i hope i'm pronouncing his name right um shooter if you're listening i'm not <laughs> holding my breath but um we'll tag him in yeah <laughs> uh tyler hero people like that who whose game a big part of their game is spot up shooting and they're and they're getting really secure contracts it, it, it tells you it tells you a message kids start practicing your shooting now well mj, you know? MJ was i want to say he was like 100 percent, but people are like yeah he's 10 for 10 on any like spot shooting no mm -hmm. problem for three he's pretty good mm -hmm. not inside he's strong as hell but his pull-up shot with mj is like untouchable. pretty much untouchable yeah and it's, it's interesting that it was going to the force games last season it just made me think of it because We've spoken to people about fundamentals and how, you know, we're talking this conversation today about the Kestrels and having, not to say like a dynasty, but having your fingers in every pot at every level of basketball within a city so that there is a progressive chain and mm -hmm. people can, you know, if they thrive, they can step up. Yeah. But the rules have often changed. Uh, you know, there's little nuances here and there and that's fine. But the actual game of basketball changed so physically. Firstly, it changed from being a physical game to then everyone jacking threes up. It's a bit like in rugby where everyone started kicking the ball all of a sudden. When we were back in 25, 30 years ago, someone kicked a rugby ball. Yeah, you're doing sprints for the rest of the day. 
it was like you don't kick it you run with it yeah and that that game fundamentally changed and now i think rugby's come back and it's readopted so i still see people some of those visiting teams particularly were just so reliant on that three-point shot mm -hmm. i i wonder if how long it's going to be before we re readjust and actually there's more of a, a full game well you see it um you see it at every level i think um there were teams this season we were talking about it after we played plymouth margin at home how they were very live by the three die by the three and it kept them in a game for about 35 minutes right up until we were able to make a run at the end to make it a comfortable eight to ten point win and just survive the game, late game on free throws um uh you could argue that down to a lack of experience a lack of consistency whatever you want to put it down to but you see uh, teams at various levels try this tactic of um you know three point three points is bigger than two points so if you got that open shot you take it and i think a lot of that sometimes can come down to the personnel you have as well uh plymouth margin for example i think their biggest player was maybe six four six five you know and you know in the real world that's tall and uh but in a basketball sense you know you're no more than a wing player so um especially in present day so i think uh, a lot of it relies on just just who you're working with as well we've got a guy at the uni uh, on our second team his name's nadir you'll probably see him in a port sports uh jersey very soon wow um, is that another exclusive it's, it's 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 a prediction do we do i need to press the this button again get your get finger <laughs> off that button <laughs> This, yeah, relax on that song. Um, yeah, um, uh, so it's an example of a player who played on our second team for the university this year who's more, more than likely going to make the jump up to our firsts. And then if I were a betting man, subsequently our Portsmouth Force roster. And he, he purely survives on a Steph Curry style. If he has an inch of space, he's pulling it. He's got a nice one motion shot right in front of his forehead. And it's eight shot it, it's, it's eight out of ten from every single spot on the floor wow. and right. yeah get uh, him in a jersey exactly and um it's one of those things where um it's clearly his strongest aspect of the game and you see um so you see more and more players like that pop up i'd say in british basketball you don't see a whole team adopting that culture but you see it in specific players so that's what i think i mean when i say um we as a country typically play catch up because we don't have a whole system that relies on you know sleek ball movement off ball movement and um getting getting the first open three that comes your way but we certainly have now adopted a style where we have players or select players on a team who dedicate their scoring output to that well mark there you go does that answer your question it does because originally my topic was going to be the death of the big man because they had some things going off many years back about it about people playing small ball exactly what you're saying mm -hmm. but i don't think it is i think it's more a case of you're getting the big man now starting to take a long shot mm -hmm. yeah it's, and it's, you get, you're getting that someone's seven foot all right yeah get on the wing and hit a three or something no, get them down low well but, yeah i think i think it's adaptation as well you want to add a certain dynamic i think you know, you're looking at the NBA and you see guys, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, they can all they can all shoot the three I ball. I don't want Joel Embiid pulling up for a three. I want him down low, <laughs> breaking noses. Which he, do, which he is more than capable exactly. of also doing. So I think it's more, less, more, less of a, you know, you need to change your game, 
need to add this to your game. Coach Dan gave me this good analogy when I was talking to him the other day about how he wants me more on the perimeter, uh, a little bit more as the season goes on. Um, talking about adding another string to your bow. Yeah. That's that's his metaphor for it. Uh, essentially looking at it as, a, as an addition to your game rather than a change. So You're to not going to wear a Steph Curry sleeve, are you? Only on days at the end with a Y. No, nah, I'm joking. I'm, no, I'm certainly not an accessories guy. Um, no, nah, you used to love a wristband, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried them. I thought, yeah, it'll stop your hands getting sweaty. That's nah, just distracting. I had uh, an Allen Iverson one, which Answer. was like extra, extra long. And I think I just played a couple of games and did really well. So I was like, never taking off. Nice. Every game, just. Um, just thinking, if Alex hits a three. In this upcoming season, do we play that song when it goes in? Yes, yes, that's the you song. You will have no complaints from me ah. because I, I believe I attempted two this year. Three if you count a full court heave in Exeter. But um, yeah, if that number goes up and maybe some connects, then you have my full permission. <laughs> or, or we give the fans another vote. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, we always we usually do it first and then ask for forgiveness rather than permission. But you, that's that's good. That's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about heaving up a shot. Yeah, um, that was that was what a segue. Yeah, I mean, wow. Alex, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, we we were asking all our guests. You've seen our office, sorry, our studio um, basketball room. We've asking all our guests to oh, that's shoot. Not a, that's not a decoration. That's not a decoration. We're asking. There's a, a line drawn about 20 feet away, and we're asking all our guests to take two shots with the final shot the third shot being the Stevie Ware shot because that's the only one that's gone in so far it's like, it's, gone. Podcast, yeah. it's like the um, it's like the top gear leaderboard for track times isn't it it is yeah so th at the top at the moment it's one, and one. Yeah, at the moment <laughs> everyone else has crashed okay <laughs> so are you gonna I'll do the commentary you do it well, and, yeah. uh, excuse me gents and now we have Alex Grant <laughs> stepping up He's walked the the twenty feet away from the in studio, in, in studio thing. Wow, that that is a, an in, Alex was you know doing some warm ups on a wall. So he's looks like he's going two handed here. He's hey, he's got his serious free throw face on here. Here is his first shot. Oh, he's going one handed. Air ball, but close. Here's his second shot. Here's his second shot. One bounce. Over. Very close. And the Stevie Ware bonus shot. This is the own Stevie Ware is the only one who's got it in. That's why it's called the Stevie Ware bonus shot. Here we go. Third shot. Oh. I had that music on standby. If that went in, dan, 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 dan. wow. No cameras in here, then we can just say it went in. It's unique because I'm commentating, and from where I am, I can't see the ring, so I have to kind of base my. So output I could on have your just reaction. Said, yeah, you could go, yeah, it's in, and I go, okay, I can't see it from here. I'm going to test this. I will test this theory one day. I'll go, yeah, he missed. Well, I, I don't forget, <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking at the person shooting, so I'm basing it on their expression. True. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I mean, Alex, the last part of the show that we always do is Mark has two questions for you. Yep, 
Should we should call we, this. We, this segment should be called Mark's Questions. Yeah, it should be just Mark our stupid things, and we'll and we'll have a little jingle. Mark's questions, <laughs> something Mark, like that. Mark's remarks, something like something like that. Yeah. There we go. Mark's remarks, trademark taking it. Um, so first one we tailored it slightly, which was originally it was if you have one person who could take the one shot, it's the game seven championship winning shot. You're down by one, okay. so it could be a two or it could be a three. Who would it be? Oof. So any player, any timeline, alive or dead, or could be yourself. Could be myself. Um, okay, well, I'll be I'll be humble. Uh, let's say. So logic tells you you want to go for a guy who won't necessarily get doubled anytime. But then again, you have to just go with history. You have to go with the stats, and you have to say who's who's the likely leader in you know clutch points all time. I don't have the specific numbers by me, but I'd guess it's a Michael Jordan. So, based off that, mm, but he will get doubled. He will get doubled. So, I want Iguodala. No. Um, you could argue. Oh, he should have been prepared me for this one. I'll say. Uh, and we're not assuming, by the way, that, I mean, you can, you can pick the scenario. It could be you're inboard, you, you know, you're inbounding it. Or it could be you've stolen it and you're dishing it to someone who can finish or whatever. So Ooh. we're not just putting it on that, on the MJ perfect shot moment yeah. or, uh, you know, Robert Horry's grab nice. the ball and throw it in kind of scenario. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you two players based on a scenario. I'm going to give you uh, Jordan in the, in that, the elevation on his shot, the touch from virtually anywhere on the floor. Um, the three-point line was shorter back then, but I'm sure he'd adjust. I'd give you that. If we're looking at uh, a different type of, if we're looking at a different scenario, I'd give you a Jokic or a Dirk Nowitzki. I'd give you someone. Ooh. I'd give you someone who can catch it mid-post with 0.5 with 0.5 seconds left on the clock, turn over his left or his right shoulder, shoot the ball from behind his head, fade away, catapult to motion it. Uh, he'll have two hands in his face and he'll still drain it. Look at his Showing the big smug man little love. face. There Look at go. Mark's little face. You mentioned a Dallas player and he just lit up. Big like, Dirt. Oh, yeah. oh, I nice. love Big Dirt. He's amazing. I, I love that you like, get the knee up, mm -hmm. lean back. Ain't no one's getting to that. That's a long day. That's no long. one is getting to that. That's a he, long just, day. he just runs like he's going to go in a wheelchair after the game. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. what, he played, what, 20, 19 seasons? Wow. I mean, yeah. One championship, job, job. Yeah. Pretty much won it on his own. Not that I like him. <laughs> okay. So that moves us nicely mm -hmm. to our next question, which is... Yeah, it's hot. This is hard. a hard question he asks people. Mm. It's your starting five. On the spot. Oh, we're starting five. It's your all-time starting five, and you get one bench warmer. Oh, perfect. Okay. So you get one sixth man. Oh, because a top starting five is so much easier than a top five all-time because there's so many of the same position. Yep. All right, so we'll start point guard, Steph Curry. A lot of people will say magic, but I feel like for the sake of spacing in today's game, you want a Steph. Uh, shooting guard, give me MJ. At the three, give me LeBron. Uh, in my humble opinion, the greatest of all time. You're giving me a face. Wow. Listen, listeners can't, listeners can't, uh, listeners can't see. I've just got a, a Mark's jaws. Disgust like is the word. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was going got, so well the past two... hour and a half. I'll say this. You got two LeBron different is generations, a great, haven't you? LeBron's a great stat man. 
Uh-huh. But MJ doesn't wear anything with his initials on it. Is that so? What about his sneakers? <laughs> he don't wear them. <laughs> They're awful. He put them on in America and he was spitting and threw them out the shop. It was just quite narrow, LeBron's wear, weren't they? The shoe's quite narrow. Yeah, he's got, I don't know, his feet are like thin and long. Mark, you got respect Alex's opinion. It's I, his opinion. I, I respect your opinion. I don't have to agree with this one. That's fine. Yeah, there's, I feel like there's no right answer for this kind of thing anyway. I feel like it's all subjective anyway. So I'm, I'm sure you believe there's a right answer, but I don't know. <laughs> I, think that, I think that just shows the kind of people we are, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, and yeah, to close out, uh, at the four, Tim Duncan. At the five. Mm, oh, you, agree, you both agree on that one. Nice. And then five. Uh, Tim's made another appearance as well, I believe. Um, okay, my my best center always varies. I think Kareem's the best center, but with this lineup I'm creating, I would put Hakeem in, because he can hit a mid-range and Timmy can hit a mid-range, so they can both operate in the high and low post together. I like the fact you considered this team as a whole unit. Yeah, if we're just going for the best player at each position, then you don't know if they'll work together. So it's my starting five. That's my starting five. You could make an argument for Shaq, but then he gets hacked. So who are you going to kindly leave, oh. leave on the pine? Oh, oh yes, my sixth man. I think uh, you want a sixth man. Who, who in that lineup is the most injury prone? I would say Steph Curry. So therefore, my bench one will be a point guard. And that point guard will be Oscar Robertson. Oh, I actually wrote Saint down thinking that's what you say. Wow. I'd, again, you could make the argument for magic, but I'd say from a spacing perspective, Oscar Robertson. I do think magic is better all time. So listeners, everyone chill. But Oscar Robertson's my sixth man. You could also make an argument to put in KD as he can as he could fill in any position from the three to the five in a, in a in a small ball lineup but if you're thinking based on the squad i've got you have you know uh spaghetti ankles from steph so yeah. you want oscar to come in and replace when necessary you're a reasonably big team as well yes exactly well there you go mark are you happy with those answers yeah great answers there's some it's, great answers you know what it's interesting alex talked about the um the the players Spacing. working together mm. because one of the players in my team that I'd want to put in there I don't think could work with anyone and and it's one of the reasons I'm always thinking about it going I couldn't put him in but I want to put him in he would be my number one no one would agree with me I'm the guy who wants to put MJ as the sixth man on the bench oh really imagine yeah, how furious he'd be he'd be like that's a, I, th I think that's a like good shout. Isaiah said he'd go straight to David Stan. Yeah, well, yeah, he would. But can you imagine that? You'd be like, right, you're in he'd, now. He'd be seething. He would get on that court and he'd destroy it. When every every point, he'd just turn back and look at you. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have had that earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, every single one. He'd take that so personally. You'd be like, this is fantastic. And every single person on that court would know. Mm. The second he got subbed in, you'd find like, go on, make an appearance then. They'd all be like, oh, we're just going to get it handed to us now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because no one else would touch the ball, though. I think that's a good shout. I think that's a real psychological call. It could go badly, though. He could just get up and walk out, but I don't think he's that sort of person, is he? 
I don't think he'd be able to walk away no, from that. Look what he did when he got injured and they said... He's not Scotty. He doesn't sit down. Remember when he got injured in, in the last dance and they said there's like a 10% chance you can, you're going to get injured. So they gave him 10% of the minutes in the court. So he had like, what was it? Six minutes, a half yeah, or something like, like a, that. A real specific, like to, a, he, to a stopwatch. And he came on and was seething. Just, yeah. Just frothing. Mm. So, no, I think that's a really good show. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the player I, I'm referring to in, in my example that mm -hmm. I don't think could work with anyone. Bill Lane Beer. Yeah. He's just, he's just, I don't know why. He's just, it's that the ultimate, physicality. The ultimate agitator, isn't he? Yeah. The mind game player. Just, just, I love, I love that where he was just, you know, everyone was getting ready to have a fight with him and maybe not even play it. And he was like, you're thinking about that. We're, we've, we've already won. Mm. I think, um, I think also what's quite interesting is that when I think of people, I still think of, Who's a small forward? Who's who's power forward? Mm -hmm. Who's centre? And I think of it in that way rather than in more modern times. I know you just think of like one, two, three, four, five, and you. Although they have a region, there's much more flexibility in it, and you've got to look at the whole team holistically and like the spacing and everything you're saying and say, well, what is this? What is this person's role on the team? Whereas before it was always, you know, almost like you're playing down there, mm -hmm. so we just need it a direct copy of you and yeah. we'll swap you in it was stagnant yeah and it, it that whole zone and all that sort of stuff it was good and bad in those respects because you could tell what you were going to get but at the same time um there was no diversity in it and the, that fluidity now where you think was jordan a guard was he a small forward what was he yeah but how, he, would, how would it translate you and, can say the same guys like larry bird etc yeah and those people set and look Kareem and all those people they set benchmarks because they were they had that flexibility that was what are you? Mm. You know, we see people like Luca now. Where they think, Well, why is a six foot nine guy bringing the ball up? Mm. <laughs> like, don't don't let but his court vision and stuff is unparalleled on the team. So why would you not give it to him? It's a funny one. Wow. There we go. Mark, I think this could be the longest show we've done so far. I, I think we, this is a pattern because we're going to say this every week. Every time we're going to go just a little bit longer. Maybe. It, uh, I guess it all depends stamina. on the guest. I thought it was a testament to my ability to waffle, but here we are. No. <laughs> well, you know what, Alex? I think it's amazing that you're standing around to play for the Ports of Force. Oh, I so want to push that button again. We have got that contract signed, haven't we? We haven't got it signed, but he's kind of said he's going to play told anyway. You, I told you, I didn't need to sign it. You didn't need to you sign it. You can keep your 2.9 Vietnamese. We're, do, we're doing blood oaths. It's getting <laughs> serious. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Alex, thank you for coming on, on the podcast. And, you know, we look forward to watching you play next season. <laughs> do, do we need one more celebration? I think we do, Mark. To end the show, let's have one what? more celebration. He's he's signed. That should be the outro. Let's the do outro. That should be the outro. I mean, just today. before you get to, I will say obviously thank you very much for having me on. Um, we should do it again sometime. I had a great time. Um, I can't wait to watch all the episodes when they come out. Um, you guys have done a fantastic job the most recent season, and I can't wait to see where we go from here as as a whole, as a, for players, staff, coaching, everyone involved. I really can't wait to see what we get up to. So thank you for today and thank you for... Oh, I appreciate that. I 
appreciate that. And you know, it's the same. It's back a pleasure, man. We're looking forward to watching the season. Yeah. So, um, Bring it. So yeah, well, that comes to the end of the podcast. It does, doesn't it? And that was a good one. Enjoyed it. Well, let's sign off by saying there Alex is. Grant has confirmed he is taking his talents to South, South Sea Beach. Beach. <laughs> For the 2023-24 Portsmouth 4 season. Thank you very much. Whoever is listening, wherever you are, and whenever you're listening, we appreciate it so much. Go back and listen to our other episodes. We've got some more coming up, haven't we, Paul? Yes. How many more? I was literally about yeah, to press you were. the music. I'm catching you out. Oh. Uh, yeah, we got um we've you know, well, um we have got coming like up next. Check your timetables. Okay, so next up we have got Andy Rowlands, Portsmouth Force legend. Oh yeah, legend. Um, you know he's his his longevity is is you know he's been playing for the uh, that Portsmouth team that that little gap that we don't know about. So yep. he'll talk about that. Um, and then you know after Andy Rowlands, uh, you know Steve Davison. So uh, they'll be out soon. And we've got plenty more after that. So stay tuned. But as I said. Like us on uh, Instagram, comment, drop us a DM if you want to have a chat or you want us to ask any of the people who come in any questions, let us know. But until next time, we'll speak to you soon. Alex Grant, staying with the Portsmouth Force.